Hello and welcome to Connecting the Pieces, an Eastern Sector Development Team podcast focused on connecting, supporting and promoting good diversity, wellness and reablement approaches. We would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of the land where this podcast is recorded and pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening. Over the last few episodes, we've been exploring inclusive practice and what this might look like for individuals who identify within the LGBT or I communities or come from Aboriginal, multi-faith and multicultural communities. But today we want to explore the idea of strength-based practice or a strength-based approach. What is it? who benefits from it, and how it contributes to the delivery of inclusive wellness assessment and service delivery. So Lisa, you're going to be guiding us through this podcast today, and I'm really interested to start off with getting your thoughts on what comes to mind when I use the word strength. Thanks, Dale, and hi, everybody. So my immediate response really relates to the idea around being strong or tough. And I mean, of course it does, but it also implies something that's quite positive and affirmative and optimistic. So when we think about strength-based practice, in effect, it's really a way of thinking or a lens through which we approach the support and the interactions that we actually have with older people. And it's really about focusing on the positive attributes of a person or a group rather than the negative. I think At its core, it's the belief that all people have strengths, resources, and that they're resilient and that they can actually use these strengths and resources to address any problems or issues that they have. And in practice, I think for aged care, what it really means is understanding and acknowledging that a person's skills, their knowledge, their interests, and their support systems are all strengths that belong to the person and that we can actually use and harness these strengths to address a problem or to achieve a particular outcome. And I think this is all really important when we're seeking to engage with older people and to support them to retain, regain or learn skills rather than creating dependencies on our services and our organisations. I really love that. I think it's a great way to describe it. And the approach really sits very nicely with the context of delivering inclusive person-centered care. We know that this involves viewing clients as a resource and seeing the resilient factors that they have within them, even though they may face adversity or have been facing adversity. Absolutely, Dale. And I think it also links really nicely with an area that I know we talk about a lot and have discussed in previous episodes of our podcast. And that's around the idea of celebrating diversity and seeing diversity as a strength. I think that's right, because on a more societal level, a strength-based approach is really about promoting positive views of individuals. And this really takes the focus away from blame or judgment that can often be associated with bias and ageist views and ageist attitudes. And really what we want to do, I think, from 
the way that you're describing the strengths-based approach is really destigmatize any of the myths associated with aging and actually see what people can do, what they can achieve. And I imagine that that approach also encourages them to try to challenge themselves more and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think really at the heart of this, if we're taking this approach, we'll be creating a safe, welcoming environment where older people are guaranteed and afforded dignity and the opportunity to be involved in the design and the delivery of their own care and really to have their voice listened to and responded to. Yeah, I think that's right, Dale. And, you know, if we go back to thinking about the individual It's also about seeing the whole person and not just focusing on or emphasising the deficits, you know, so what is lacking. And I think sometimes as professionals, you know, we know that staff are there to help, but we can sometimes jump into solving problems in the first instance. And this can really lead to a pattern of viewing everyone as a problem. And of course, the issue with that is, you know, when we start labelling we're immediately limiting options because we're focusing on what someone can't do rather than what they can do. I think it's also important to acknowledge that providers have a level of power because of their position. And I think using a strength-based approach really contributes in some way towards equalising that power imbalance because it recognises and acknowledges that a person is an expert in their own life And they are therefore a critical partner in shaping the way that their service and care should be delivered. So it's really about empowering the client with choice and control in the planning and delivery of their own care. Thanks for that, Lisa. I think that makes so much sense. And I guess the next areas that I'd like to explore are around the benefits. So there's obviously lots of benefits of applying a strength-based approach. Can you talk us through what some of these are? Yeah, I think a strength-based approach is a really great way for clients to gain greater awareness about who they are. And it also provides them with an opportunity to reflect and think about their past experiences and how they might be able to apply their past experience to achieve their goals into the future. I mean, in effect, it's really about allowing someone to think about different situations of, you know, where you shine and where you don't. And I think this level of awareness really means that a person can play to their strengths and it helps them to identify those situations where they may be a little bit weaker. I think also, particularly for older people, it's an opportunity to really appreciate your skills and talents that you may have previously undervalued and going through that process of identifying who and what's important to you and where your strengths are is really a motivating factor. And it may help a person to focus on what's positive in their life and not dwell on the things that are not so good. And I think sometimes we might know intuitively where we need to improve, but actively reflecting and problem solving around your strengths and 
and weaknesses can really support that level of motivation. And it encourages a person to take control of their life to make choices and decisions. I think there's also some really positive benefits about the approach for staff who are working with older people as well. Yeah, just as you were talking there, I mean, some of the things that really come to mind is if we're taking this approach, both the client and the worker should actually have a greater depth of knowledge and understanding about who the person is, what their interests are, what's important to them by having conversations about their strengths. And it should enable that service to be tailored a lot more. And I think the idea of a person's diversity also really comes into this. And we know that sometimes, unfortunately, diversity can be framed even unintentionally in a negative way, such as the person doesn't speak English or doesn't have English as a first language. Now, that doesn't necessarily need to be a problem or an issue if we deal with it in the right way. They might have great communication skills, just not in English. So how do we account for that? I think also one of the things that sort of stands out is how it can provide staff with information around how to best work with the client and understand what's happened in the past, what is currently happening, but also what they want to happen into the future. And this really links to the idea of increased levels of satisfaction, self-determination and confidence. And I guess if we're focusing on strengths, we're also probably going to be motivating clients a lot more because we're thinking about positive things. We're looking at things that they can achieve. And I guess, Lisa, then the next thing that I'd like to kind of unpack a little bit is we've talked about the benefits of a strength-based approach, but people might be listening and thinking, well, what's included in a strength? So what would you say is a strength or could be a strength? Yeah, great question, Dale. I think we all have strengths and they will be different from person to person, but we could probably group them into some categories. So the first thing we might think about is the personal qualities and characteristics that each of us have. And these might be things around, you know, being honest, being caring, hardworking. It might be someone who's reliable, friendly or generous. So all of those are actually strengths that we can bring to a particular situation. We all have different talents and skills. So some of us are good at Sudoku. Others might be good at budgeting, for example. There's lots of great cooks out there, people who write poetry and people who play a musical instrument. And these are all skills that can contribute potentially in some way to achieving a future outcome. We can also consider environmental strengths. And these are things like having a safe and comfortable home where you enjoy spending time. It might be that you have a daughter or a son who actually accompanies you to appointments. It might be about being part of a local community group, for example, a church or a book club. Or maybe it's about having a pet that you're really fond of and, and that's really important to you. I think the other area of strengths that is important to consider is around a person's personal interests and their aspirations. So what do you enjoy doing now? How do you spend your time? What's important to you? But also, what are you looking to for the future? So it might be things around, you know, someone in, enjoys watching old movies or cooking, or it might be that they enjoy working with their hands or perhaps helping others. 
And when we think about aspirations, you know, it might be around wanting to learn to use an iPad or computer equipment, for example, or perhaps it's something more broad around, you know, wanting to feel happy and safe in their own home. And I think these kind of strengths, often we take them for granted in ourselves. We don't often take time to sit and reflect on what they are. So aged care staff can play a really critical role in helping people to unpack what those strengths are and to help them understand how they can use those experiences and those strengths in their care and their service delivery into the future. I think that's a really good point because as human beings, I think we can quite often focus on the negative, on the things that we haven't achieved or can't do or the things that we want to do that we aren't there yet. And the way that you've laid that out, I think it really shows how all of us will have a variety of strengths across a whole range of areas. And often they are connected to things that are really important to us. And if we can understand what enables us to be able to have those skills, it might be able to help us in other areas as well. I do have the sort of little devil's advocate sitting on my shoulder here and having people listening, thinking, if we're just focusing on strengths, does this mean that we miss the opportunity to identify and directly address deficits or challenges? Are we kind of just ignoring problems? That's a really great question, Dale. And the answer is absolutely not. I think what we need to keep in mind is that a strength-based approach is really about reframing the way that we interact and communicate with people. So it's moving from the idea of, you know, what is the problem that you're having to asking questions about what does a good day look like for you or what are the things that you're managing well at the moment or that you feel good about. So hopefully through that discussion, you will be able to identify the strengths, but also perhaps the things that aren't working so well. So it's really about asking good questions. And once you start that conversation, you can then use a more targeted approach to explore any of the issues that arise. And I think what good questioning does is that it really encourages people to share their story in their own words. And it's a really great way to empower people to be involved in contributing to ideas about how their support services uh, might work. I think the idea of good questioning also goes hand in hand with the use of affirmative language. And this is really about showing that you genuinely and respectfully affirm someone's personal qualities, their strengths, their efforts, their successes, and their intentions. And this demonstrates a recognition, you know, as we said earlier, that people are experts in their own lives. And it does contribute to a collaborative approach to designing and delivering services that are going to meet the particular needs of that person. I think that all makes sense. But if I can kind of continue to push you a little bit and be the the devil's advocate here, we know that there's a whole range of different sorts of people out there. You know, we often hear a half glass full type of person. So what would a worker do or how would they respond if a client's coming back and saying, well, I don't have strengths and this is just old age and this is just what's happening to me? 
Yeah, I find this a really interesting question because the strength-based approach really builds on the characteristics that are already present in each of us. And it's quite interesting, you know, when we think about it, from the moment we're born, we're all growing and learning. So the idea that once you get to a particular age, you assume that you can't continue to grow and learn in that time. And I think it's really important for aged care workers to come into a discussion with clients with the appreciation that older people can improve, learn and develop. And part of the role is building the self-efficacy of our clients who don't see their own potential. And it's really about approaching people with optimism, finding out what actually motivates the person, what their goals are, what they want to be different into the future, and then looking at ways to support them to achieve that. A lot of this will be achieved through conversation and encouragement and education and asking really good questions. So, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. What would you like to be doing that you're not doing at the moment? How have you handled that situation in the past? What would your friends say you're good at? How would they describe your personality? So focusing on some of those questions to build confidence of the person. And yeah, it takes a little bit of practice, I think, but the more we get used to applying that approach, and if we don't jump in to become the problem solver, we can really engage clients in the conversation and in the delivery of their care. And the really great thing about a strength-based approach is that it can be applied across the continuum of care. I think that's right, Lisa. And You know, I've been listening and thinking about what you were saying and how a strength-based approach could and absolutely should be applied across service access, assessment, goal setting, care planning, service delivery, and service review. And that staff can really be embedding a strength-based approach within their practice and their conversations with clients. And that's how clients will start to see their own strengths and feel a lot more comfortable in this space and discussing strengths. I think if we go back to one of the examples that I kind of was giving earlier around diversity and we take it from a service access perspective, we could have a client who has migrated to Australia and English isn't their first language. They may be seeking support because they don't understand the aged care system and don't feel comfortable accessing services. But they probably have many great strengths that will enable them to contribute to their engagement within the sector. And as I was kind of giving that example before about language, just because they may not speak English doesn't mean they don't have great communication skills. And through being supported to learn about the aged care sector, they're also building their strengths and their knowledge that they then might be able to share with friends and family members. And I think one of the most important things to remember is that the process for identifying strengths isn't a one-time exercise. It's not like we sit down and have that conversation once. It's about that ongoing building of knowledge and learning about our clients. Looking at care plan reviews, I think this obviously stands out as a really great time to revisit progress and to check in with clients. And that's where we may see that their own ideas of what a strength is has really changed and evolved over time. 
And I know you and I have talked a lot about different tools and support that staff can access in how to apply a strength-based approach. Could you talk us through what a few of these might be and how staff could use them? Yeah, sure, Dale. There are a couple of really useful person-centred tools, but it's important to keep in mind that this isn't a one-size-fits-all approach and we really need to take cues from our client as to what is best going to meet their needs. I think also we need to be aware that it's really important to understand your own communication style. Obviously, we want to be genuine and build rapport with the client to engage them in conversation. So having open body language, an open communication style and good questioning skills are all part of that. So I mentioned that there are a number of person-centered tools and these are often used in care planning or monitoring or review and they really reinforce a holistic strength-based approach. So some of these might include things like asking a client, you know, what's working well for you at the moment and what's not? Or you might ask what's important to you versus what's important for you. Alternatively, you could say, what does a good day look like for you? And what does a bad day look like for you? And you can use these approaches to explore specific issues, or you could use them to gain a general understanding about what is happening in the person's life at the moment. And they're really great tools to orientate a discussion and to learn about a person. Now, you might want to just ask the questions, or you might want to write them down so that a client can really think about them. But one of the advantages of using this type of approach is that it enables clients to really focus not only thinking about what's not working in their life, but thinking about what their strengths are and what is working well. Another one that people are probably pretty familiar with is a one-page profile. And I think this is really useful, for example, for a social support program where you've got someone who might be coming to your program on an ongoing basis. And this really provides you with a, an at-a-glance way of knowing what really matters to people. And the process of developing a one-page profile can be really collaborative where primarily the client is leading that process. And it really involves three simple questions. And that's about asking, you know, what is it that people appreciate about you? What's important to you? And how best can we support you? And that's a really great way to get people thinking about their strengths and how those strengths can contribute to their care and support. I suppose a bit of a word of warning, you know, we know that it can be helpful to have a tool to help us focus the discussion, but we need to be mindful that the tool is essentially there to guide the conversation. So we don't want it to be the focus. We really need to take our cues from the conversations that happen as a result of asking those questions or completing the tool. Thanks for that, Lisa. I think all the things that we've talked about today are really key things for aged care workers to be across and really to continue to challenge themselves and other colleagues on. And when I say challenge, I mean that in a supportive way, thinking about how can we constantly sort of nudge each other and remind each other to take a strength-based approach, to think about the language we use, to look at aging, not in a deficit way, but actually see the strengths that people have. 
So I think you've really given people a lot of food for thought there, Lisa. And I really liked what you were saying about tools are useful, but the conversation is the most important thing. And I think that philosophy has really come through in the resources that have been developed and put on our website. So looking at embedding a strength-based approach in client conversations and the goal-directed care planning toolkit really look at a range of person-centered tools, but at the core of them, they're talking about the need for that conversation to be done in a way that's engaging, that's inclusive, and actually responds to the client's needs. So we really encourage you to check those out and we'll provide links in the show notes. So Lisa, thanks very much for taking us through this topic today. It's been really great to get your insight and to really understand more about taking a strength-based approach. That's fine, Dale. Thank you. And thank you for listening. This has been Connecting the Pieces, a podcast for the Eastern Sector Development Team. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our website, esdt.com.au. The Eastern Sector Development Team is supported by the Australian Government Department of Health. And although funding has been provided by the Australian Government, the materials and comments made do not necessarily represent the views or the policies of the Australian Government.